0: details, and there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and and it cannot be taken away from her. And this is our, I would say this is our aim for the series, is to refocus on what matters most and reconnect our lives to what can never be taken from us. Now, today we're talking about being distracted from our purpose. It's a good one. And it's something that I think, honestly, we've heard a lot about, uh, just even in our world. It's a very popular topic, being distracted from your purpose. Uh, there's a lot of books out there that talk about, you know, no progress without purpose and never give up and, and make sure you set your, you know, aim high and set your goals and, you know, don't get distracted from your purpose. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. We hear it a lot. And I think the reason why we hear this stuff all the time is actually because we all long to know what our purpose is, don't we? What we're meant to do. And I I think how we go about finding our purpose and how we do that could be the biggest distraction of all. And what we'll see today is it's only when we discover whose we are that we find who we are and what we're meant to do. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for everyone that is here today. And God, we just say, would you come? Or do you say that apart from you, we can do nothing? So we just ask, you would just come close right now. I ask that everyone listening here, that that God, you would just pull away the distractions. You would turn our attention to you. For those of you that are even just far away and disconnected from you, God, would you come near? I pray you would put power on my words, give me your peace, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing I wanna talk about today is just that, the universal longing for purpose. I recently read this interesting statement from a prominent businessman and he literally said this. As you know, I have been very fortunate in my career, and I have made a lot of money. Far more than I ever dreamed of, and far more than I could ever spend. Far more than my family even needs. But to be honest, one of my motives for making so much money is simple. To have money to hire people to do what I don't like doing. But there is one thing that I've never been able to hire anyone to do for me and it's to find my own sense of purpose and fulfillment. I'd give anything to discover that. Hmm. At some point, I think every one of us confronts that question, how do I fulfill and find that central purpose of my life? And there's other questions that might lie a little deeper, like, Who am I, or what's the meaning of life itself? But few questions are raised more loudly and more insistently today than the one of purpose. Wondering about the purpose in our lives comes up in a variety of ways and in many seasons of our life. Maybe you're a teenager and you're looking over the precipice of graduation and you're starting to realize. There are a dizzying array of choices when it comes to which college you could go to and what major you can major in, let alone what you can minor in as well. Or maybe you're in your late 20s, early 30s, and you're starting to realize you can't do it all. (laughs) And the demands of life are actually really heavy, and you're trying to figure out what to say yes to and what to say no to, and, and you don't know what to do. Or maybe you're in your, your midlife and you're facing a mismatch between your gifts and your work or your job and you're asking yourself, can I really see myself doing this the rest of my life? Or maybe you're a mother and you're watching your children grow up light speed, you know, and left wondering which high purpose will fill the void in the next stage of my life. Or maybe you're in your retirement years and you're wondering if this is it, if God's done with you or that he has a plan still for your life. Yes, by the way. (laughs) Or maybe you're just in a transition of life. Moving home, switching jobs, struggling in your marriage, maybe have some health issues going on. We try to avoid it, but change is one of those things that starts to quickly challenge our sense of personal purpose. For any of us that have ever thought, is this all there is? Is there more to our life? You're not alone. I know in my own demographic, one out of four women right now are on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. That is 400 times more than it was when I was born in the 1980s. 400 times more. And, And I'm not against medication. Don't hear that. I'm not against that. But it does say something about what we as a culture are struggling with, what we're wrestling with. Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor, and, and I'd say he has a little cred when it comes to this topic, he says this, the root of anxiety is a sense of unfulfilled responsibility, a fear of purposelessness. Hmm. Now I know the enemy uses a lot of tactics in our lives to keep us ineffective, especially in the kingdom of God, things like anxiety, right? Things like fear and guilt and shame, because he obviously does not want us to find out whose we are and who we are. And as long as he can keep us unaware and disconnected from God, he can keep us just aimlessly drifting through our lives, right? But if we start to get close, (laughs) what he cannot destroy in you, he will distract. He will distract Now, distractions are those things that just get us off course. They're the things that prevent us from giving our full attention to what's really needed in our lives. And what we look to, to answer that longing for purpose, can drive us in a lot of different directions, right? We're on the hunt to find that answer. But I want to look at two main directions today. One is that we can look for it in ourselves, or we can let it draw us toward God. And I'll be honest, I think self, or you could say selfishness, is actually one of the biggest distractions from connecting with God and finding our purpose. I really do. And so that's our second point the distraction of self focused or self seeking purpose. And this is the answer or the method of, of most people in the world, like atheists and agnostics and naturalists or humanists, that if the final reality of this life is just chance, and if there's really no God, no supernatural to consider, really there's no purpose. And really the purpose is up to each one of us to decide and to achieve for ourselves and by ourselves. It's not something we discover outside of ourselves, it's something we find from within, or what we decide it to be. And like Frank Sinatra saying, we must each do it my way. That is echoing through our world today. And and really, this is the answer of most Americans. What they believe is that if anything's going to happen, we're going to have to make it happen, right? We have to create our own happiness. We have to be the engine of our own momentum. We are responsible for creating our own destiny and our own purpose. In this modern era, we have thrown God right out of the middle, right out of the center of pretty much everything. And we've made ourselves the center. You just look around you today and you see it. And there are are actually really, there are a lot of books out there, even Christian ones, that can be classified as self-help books because they approach their subject from a self-centered viewpoint. Always be aware, even in movies. Uh, Back to the Future, hmm? Doc Brown says this, you ready? Good quote, come on. (laughs) Not accurate, but cute, I remember it. Your future hasn't been written yet, he says, no one has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. You remember that? Now I want to just play with an analogy here for a second. Just imagine that your life is like you're you're piloting a plane. And you get to fly that plane wherever you want, at whatever speed you want, at the altitude you want. You are the captain, right? And then Jesus comes knocking, right? Right? And, and we, we say yes to Jesus, we invite him into our lives, we say, come on board, we're cool with you, we like you, we, we think you're great, and we need you. God, would you come, would you come? And, and maybe the way that our life has been going has been, we just realize we can't do it on our own and we need him. Or maybe we've hit some turbulence in our lives and we've realized, I can't do this alone, I, I need the Lord. And so we invite him into our lives and we say, God, we're yours. But what's funny is that he doesn't just go sit in the cabin, does he? You know, just kind of backseat drive and say, oh, go left and go right. Like, that's really not how our relationships with God are at all. What he does, surprisingly, is as you're sitting in that captain's chair, we hear this knock on the cockpit door. And he's saying, will you let me in here? And we're like, huh, um, yeah, you can uh, hang out, you know, next to me if you want, (laughs) right? It, It starts to, we start to get a little anxious when we realize God is actually asking to be in control. He wants to be on the throne of our lives. He wants to be the one in the captain's chair. And what he starts talking to us about is things like how you're spending your free time or how you're spending your money or how you treat your family or your coworkers. And And, and we, we tell him, well, I don't know how to do those things. And he's like, well, then can I sit in the captain's chair? Let me show you. Let me show you. He wants to call the shots in our life and he wants to be the one in control of the destination of our lives. And we are the ones that are asked to take a back seat. And boy, is that counterintuitive for us. That is so counterintuitive for us. It almost feels wrong, you know? Like, wait a minute, shouldn't I be at the helm? I should be in control. I'm the captain of my fate, right? Shouldn't that be, shouldn't that be how it is? But he has a desire for our lives that are much bigger and much better than sometimes we remember. And though that is contrary to popular belief, this life is not about us. (laughs) And the purpose of our lives are actually far greater than our own personal fulfillment, our own peace of mind, even our own happiness. It's actually far greater than our own families, our own careers, or even our own wildest dreams or ambitions. Do you wanna know why you were placed on this planet? You have to begin with God. You have to let him be in that captain's chair. We were born for a purpose and by his purpose. And the search for purpose in our lives, though it's puzzled people for thousands of years, is something that we gotta make sure we start at the right place. And most people in this world start at the wrong starting point, which is just ourselves. We ask those self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? Or what should I do with my life? Or what are my ambitions for my future? Uh, But focusing on ourselves, we will never get to that place of realizing our true purpose. The Bible says that God directs the lives of every creature and everyone's life is in His hands. His hands. His hands. You won't discover the meaning of your life by looking within yourself. It's a lie. And you know it because you've probably tried it already and it hasn't worked, has it? You didn't create yourself, therefore there's no way you can tell yourself what you're created for. And it's exhausting, honestly, trying to figure it out and find it on our own. Let's just be honest. I remember there was a time in my life where God revealed to me that I was, uh, I, I was putting a lot of my trust in myself. And it was on an Ash Wednesday night. I've told this story before, but it has a lot of a significance for me. <clears throat> it was one of those times where God really got my attention. And uh, I decided to sneak into an Ash Wednesday service. And I was sitting in the back. I had fully intended to spend that time alone, journaling with just me and the Lord, until a woman came in right behind me, and she was on crutches. And it took her a good like five minutes or so to get just from the very back door to the back row of the auditorium. And she sat, of course, right in front of me. And as I sat there, um, fully intending to just talk to the Lord, he starts talking to me uh, about this woman, and, and he starts just giving me compassion for her. And then I have this idea that just goes through my head. You should ask her if she needs help to go forward to receive the ash, because it was all the way at the front of the auditorium. And, and I sat there, and I debated with God a little while, and I was like, I don't know this woman. Like, that's just weird. Well, how would I do that? She has crutches. Logistically, that's just strange. And I'm you know going back and forth with the Lord, and then they finally say, okay, now we're going to... You know, receive the ash if you'd like to come forward. And she didn't move. And, and so I said, Okay, Lord. And so I, I knelt down next to her and I said, Hi, you know, I'm Heather and, and I don't know if, you know, I could help you at all. Is there any way I could help you? You know, get to the, to the front. Would you like to go forward and receive the ashes? And, and as quick as I asked her, she responded and she looked at me and she said, No, I don't need your help. And turned away boy, was that not the response I was necessarily expecting. And I remember standing up, you know, kind of like, oh, well, okay, and, and, and I just turned around, and I'm like, Lord, that was not what I was expecting at all. And, and, and God was so quick to say, Heather, and I remember just knowing it was the Lord, it wouldn't have been me. He's, I just had this thought that he said, Heather, that's you. And I didn't ask you to, to you know, help her forward, to actually help her forward, I actually just wanted to show you a picture of yourself. And I was like, oh, I know what that means. And I did. I knew what that meant. He had called me, called me out. And I just had this picture of me hobbling along, just like she had from the back, you know, the back door to the, the back row and hobbling along in life painfully. I mean, every step was painful. And, and me going to God, you know what, God, I'm good. I'm good, I've got this. I don't need your help. I'm good, I'm good. No, I don't need your help. You know, and I'm just like painfully, every step of the way is just like, and, and I could just feel this heartbreaking for me. Like, Heather, this is not how I intended you to live your life. I, I intended you to, to live your life with me, and to lean on me, not your own strength. Me, and I, I remember in it to the to the bathroom right after you know walking away. Um, I just wept. I remember just feeling not only convicted, but like I don't know where to start, God. How, how do I do this life without you know control? How do I let go? How do I trust you more? And I, I remember that night because he's not only reminded me of that time over and over, but it, it just gave me this fresh insight that I really did need him. I really did need him. And that life alone was not how he intended me to live. And I think for a lot of us, we let, we let those things like control or our ambitions or our own appetites, our own desire for pleasure, comfort, uh, you know, our preferences, our own needs to be what what constantly distracts us. And actually, when something constantly distracts you over and over again, it actually becomes what drives you. And and I've realized this in my own life. It actually becomes the things that that start to master us. And they will always leave us empty and disillusioned and exhausted because most selfish masters will. We think we're in control, that we've got this, but it's actually an illusion. Maybe your life is led by people pleasing. How's that working for you? (laughs) Constantly trying to fill the expectations and the needs of others around you. Never getting the approval that justifies the cost. It is exhausting to live like that. And that need to get approval starts to be what actually masters you and runs your life. No longer just a distraction, but it actually drives you. Or maybe it's envy, always comparing yourself to others, always thinking about other people and what they have, never being truly satisfied with what God's given you. Or maybe you're completely immobilized by fear. And the thought of stepping out of your comfort zone, boy, it has you stuck. It has you stuck. Or maybe you're driven by your past, or or your need to acquire things. Again, all these broken attempts at filling our own lives with meaning and purpose, and it never satisfies. It never satisfies. I love this translation or paraphrase from Matthew 11:28 through 30. Are you tired? Yes. <laughs> Are you worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced (laughs) rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. That sounds so good, doesn't it? What we look to to answer that ache or that longing for purpose can drive us in those two directions, either pulling us back into ourselves, trying to figure it out on our own, trying to find it out on our own, or we let it draw us back to God. We let it draw us toward God. Andrea Bitov, a Russian novelist, grew up under, grew up under atheistic, communist, uh, atheistic communist regime, <clears throat> But God got his attention one dreary day, and he says this. In my 27th year while riding the metro in Leningrad, I was overcome with despair so great that life seemed to stop at once, preempting the future entirely, let alone any meaning. Suddenly, all by itself, a phrase appeared, without God, life doesn't make sense. Now repeating it in astonishment, I rode the phrase up like a moving staircase, got out of the metro, and walked into the light. (laughs) I believe why we question and wonder and long for purpose is because we actually have a purpose. (laughs) And I think it's actually designed to draw us to God. That longing, that question, that desire, it's meant to draw us to God, our creator. And I believe that we all long to be called to something greater than just ourselves. Just ourselves. Our life purpose, therefore, comes from two sources at once. Who we are created to be and who we are called to be. And that's our third point. We're created and called by God for a purpose. Now, this means three things. I want to highlight three things. First of all, you are not an accident. You're not an accident. You were formed and you were created by God. This is what he says in Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. And then in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Hmm. You know, your birth was no mistake or mishap, and your life is no fluke of nature. We need to be reminded of that. Your parents may not have planned you, but God sure did. (laughs) He was not at all surprised when you came on the scene in this world. And in fact, he expected it long before your mother was expecting. (laughs) He thought of you first, and it is not by chance or by accident that you are breathing in and out at this very moment. You are alive because God wanted to create you. He wanted to create you. And then secondly, you were first made for relationship with God. And many of us know this famous verse, but sometimes we forget or we don't look at the context, the next two verses, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. (laughs) You will seek me when you find me, and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We're first called to him before we're called to do something for him and that's essential that we don't get that mixed up. What we've been called to do is really important, but it's just not first place. First place is relationship with him. Just look at Jesus, when he called his disciples, he calls them first into relationship with him before sending them out to do anything. What does he say when he calls them? Follow me, follow me. That's first, follow me. He always draws us to himself before he gives us something to do. Because knowing him and being transformed to become like him is what is ultimately our purpose. That's our ultimate purpose. It's like this analogy. It's, it's like our full names. You know, My name is Heather Kimura. When I visited Japan... Uh, six years ago, I realized there's a lot of Kimuras in this world, <laughs> and uh, uh, my husband's family was over there. But I'm Heather Kimura. It's what distinguishes me from all the rest of the Kimuras. So your last name, <clears throat> it's like our primary and our generic purpose, to know God and become like him. But our first name, our first name is what our specific purpose is and what sets us apart, our unique calling, our unique set of gifts. It's what we're going to do in God's kingdom. And the third point is, you're uniquely made. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I love this word, handiwork or workmanship, it actually describes our uniqueness. It's actually from the Greek word poema, which literally means work of art. We're a work of art. And that's where we actually get our English word poem from. You are a work of God. You are. And nothing but the highest and the best comes from his hand. God designed each of us so there would be no duplication of us in the world, no one has the exact same mix of factors that make you unique. Tom Patterson says this literally everything God makes is unique. He didn't clone anything. Thank goodness, that'd be weird. But He didn't clone anything. Even identical twins have individual uniqueness. That should tell us that our individuality is a secret trust. And what we do with it is our gift. God. Our best contribution in life, our utmost for His highest, can only be made as we allow God to finish His work in progress and perfect our uniqueness. To live without discovering our uniqueness is not to really live at all. I think God is heartbroken when His children miss out on the potential He has placed in them. In John 15:16, it says this, <clears throat> you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. And then in 2 Timothy 2 or 1, 9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done, thank goodness, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And when I was researching this topic, I found this quote over and over again, and what's funny is that everyone says that they, they came up with it. it, has multiple authors, so we're gonna go with it without an author, uh, so I don't get it wrong, <laughs> but it, it is an awesome quote. And it says, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Hmm. He qualifies the called. And you know, God gives us a really beautiful picture in Scripture to explain his relationship with us. He says he's the master craftsman. He's the potter, right? And we are clay in his hands, His role is to qualify us. His role is to shape us. His role is to equip us for every good work. But ours is to remain pliable, allowing him to do so. By spending time with our creator, pouring over the owner's manual, if you will, (laughs) the Bible, and serving others, we start to understand who we are and what we are meant to do. Now, there are a lot of books and theories out there that say, you know what, you need to figure out your purpose so, can, so you can know what you're supposed to do, as though it's the first part of the equation. But you know what I've found in, in most, most of those places in my life where I've started to you know, see who I was or how I was made or what my gifts were, is actually when I was already doing stuff. It's actually when I was in the middle of serving and when I was in community and 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 I love that. I think that is really the picture of how God's intended it to be. For us to find our purpose, we don't do that just alone, you know, figuring out on our own, just you know, isolated away from the world. We find it when we step in and we engage in community. We find it in our small groups. We find it, you know, in, in serving, we start to realize, wow, I, I really enjoy this more than anyone else does. Or I really enjoy this aspect, and I'm really good at it. This is weird. And, and I, I've experienced that myself. I was in a small group um, a while back, and, and I remember <clears throat> we were going around kind of saying, well, you know, what are you passionate about? What really motivates you? You know, what are you excited about, you know, when it comes to the Lord? And, <clears throat> and I'm like, I don't know, like... He's just, he's really great, and, and everyone's just, like, looking at me, and I was like, okay, well, I just get really passionate when I talk about the Word of God, and they're all like, yes, <laughs> and they all just, you know, sighed and go, that's so true of you, Heather. You just come alive when you talk about the Word of God, and when you talk about His truth, and I'm like, really? I do? So it wasn't just a hunch that was, I really do, like, and, and they're like, you just love it, there's a, and I realize there's a fire that comes, like, from within that's not of me, it's not at all my personality. And when I talk about the word of God, he just, boy, he just comes. And I get really excited as though I'm trying to catch up with what he's doing. And, and, and I only found that in the context of community where other people were encouraging me and speaking life into me. And, and I think we need to remember that it's sometimes within that place of serving, within that place of community, that we start to discover our purpose. So if you don't know your purpose and you're sitting here going, I don't know why I'm here. What is this all that life's about? You know, I I want to just leave you with a few things. First of all, ask God. (laughs) I know it's simple. I know it's simple, but ask him. Spend time in his presence and just ask him. God has not left us to do this alone in the dark, to wonder and to guess, or to wander and to guess. God is not just the starting point of your life. He is the source of it. He's the source of it. Discovering your purpose in life, we have to turn away from those distractions, those self-focused solutions, and turn back to God's presence and his word. And second, if, if you don't know what to do, Keep doing the last thing you heard God tell you to do. Keep doing the last thing he told you to do. Keep serving. Being a good steward in the waiting. And I I love this word, waiting. My daughter, whenever we go to a restaurant, she'll, she'll usually... Save us. She'll be like, Mommy, what are they waiting for? She's really cute. She has this funny sense of humor. I'm like, what are they waiting for? What are you talking... Oh, the waiter. Oh, that's... Okay, what are they waiting for? But it, but it really is how God wants us to wait. He wants us to wait like this. God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? Right? Where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to serve? It's usually in those places of waiting, where God is actually preparing us. He's preparing us. And it's not for the best, great, new, big, better thing. We find, and I'll be honest, we'll find that we don't need the best, great, next thing. The contentment actually comes from within. It doesn't come from a place of circumstances that says, oh, now I've made it. We've never really made it, have we, in this Christian life? It's a process of waiting and preparation because he's actually more concerned with who we become than what we do. Who we become more than what we do. It may feel like forever (laughs) that you're waiting, but keep spending time in God's presence, trusting that he will guard and guide your life. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, in the New Living Translation, it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on yourself, (laughs) your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Boy. Easier said than done though, right? Trusting in the Lord with all our hearts. God is not in a rush to get you to some magical destination. <laughs> He's in the business of transforming and changing our hearts, making us more like him. And it happens to be a lifelong process. In Philippians 1.6, and I'll end with this, being confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand. We're just gonna enter into ministry time by waiting on the Lord. Hmm. So God, we ask for your presence to come. God, would you speak to us right now? We wanna respond to what you're doing in our midst, God, because we believe you are here, that you are active, that you are present, that you are not far off, (laughs) that you are here. So, God, we ask you would come close. Would you speak right now? Mm. More, Lord, just more of your presence. We need you, God.
1: Hmm.
0: As I was preparing for uh, this time, the Lord <clears throat> laid it on my heart to uh, just call out a, a couple different groups of people. Uh, one is that some of us here have actually been labeled not by who you are, but by a negative characteristic maybe. And I think it's either the enemy's lie that he's used to kind of pin you down and keep you back, or it's someone else's words that have been spoken over you kind of like um, when people don't call you by your actual name and they refer to you like, oh, she's the tall girl or, you know, she's the one who's divorced or he's the one without a job or, you know, yeah, she's the one in the wheelchair. I mean, they, they love to, people love to package us in phrases that are really not who we are at all, right? And I think God wants to, you know, maybe just take some of those things that have been labeling us and defining us, because it's actually become a, um, a hindrance to us walking in the purposes that God has for us, and it's disqualifying us from engaging in what God has for us to do in the kingdom of God. And so if that's, if something just immediately just came into your mind, and it's what you always just hear in your head, describing yourself even, if that's you, I I would ask that you would come forward this morning and get prayer. You would lay that before the Lord and say, God, would you rid me of this? Would you just wipe that clean so that what I hear are your words about who I am and not the words of what other people have defined me as? So if that's you, I, I would encourage you to come forward today and get prayer. And then <clears throat> last night I had a, just a distinct picture during worship that, that uh, there's some of us here that actually we, we really question if God sees us or not. We're, we're, we're like, mm, yeah, I'm not sure if you really see me. You might see the other people in the room, but I'm not sure if you see me. And <clears throat> so I'm gonna step out on a limb and <laughs> I'm gonna uh, just say two things that I feel like the Lord just called out during worship today. And he said, um, I see you and I know that you are longing for something new. You are longing for some kind of change or fresh breeze in your life. And it's been this ache in you for a while now. And you've been asking God, what's next? God, what's next? What's next? And I think that, that uh, he's just saying, I see you and I see the, the struggle that you're in and this is, this is what I got. His n- mercies are new every morning. And the newness that you're seeking is not in your circumstances. It's actually in, in your relationship with the Lord, that you'll find that satisfaction, this newness that you're looking for, in the newness of his mercies and his grace every single day. And so if, if that's something you're wrestling with, I would love for you to come forward and uh, get prayer today. And then um, there's another group or another maybe a couple people, that God says, I see you, and I know you're holding back. I know you're holding back. Yep, you. <laughs> I see you. And you're not willing to commit. You're scared of being known, though you long for it. You're scared to get involved, to commit to a small group or to serve. And God's saying, this is what I have for you. Would you say yes? Would you say yes? And in a sense, you've been stuck, and he wants to move you forward into the things that he, he has for you, but he can't do that when you're back there you know, in, in fear. And so would you, would you do something today? Would you step forward as an act of like, okay, God. <laughs> and simply, you know, there's nothing magical about coming forward and getting prayer. I mean, prayer is awesome, because you actually get to say, Lord, would you come? Uh, but there's nothing magical about this. Sometimes it's just a symbol you know, that we remember that says, okay, God, I responded to you, and you were faithful to come.
1: And we have a couple there. I think um, also as I was praying that there are a lot of people who were brought into the world by their parents, and essentially have had to raise themselves completely feeling as though there's been no guidance, no blessing over their lives, um, just thrown out there and been told, show me who you are. The Lord wants to break that. He wants to pour out a spirit of adoption so Mm. that um, everyone can, the the people that are really suffering with this can really... uh, turn from that lie that they don't have to raise themselves and they can feel God's fatherhood and and get a blessing to that he would show them who they are. That's
0: wonderful. So if any of those uh, speak to you today, I just ask that you would respond by coming forward and having someone just lay their hand on your shoulder and just bless what God is doing and pray for you. Um, we're going to just worship with one last song for those of us that are still in our seats we're just going to worship the Lord with one last song and then I'll come back up and close us in, a, in just a, a closing prayer so come on forward any of those words any of those words for you any of those words maybe it's a lie of condemnation about who you are that has been holding you back maybe it's this longing for something new Maybe it's the, the, just the fear of being committed, or maybe it's this need for being adopted, feeling like He's our Father. So would you just respond to the Lord today and come forward, and we're going to need some people to pray, guys with guys, girls with girls, so if you are really anyone here, uh, we qualify you to pray, just come forward and, and bless what God's doing.
2: Who <laughs> Our come fill your church once again. As children will come arms open wide So desperate for you, so in need of your life. May I praise fill your ears, may our Christ touch your heart. We need your presence, to change who we are. praise. Come now and reign in our lives. Come Holy Spirit, come like the wind. Come be Lord of our hearts. Come fill your church once again.
0: Getting prayer, just continue to do so, Lord Jesus. We we just thank you, God, that our lives are in Your hands, Lord. That we don't have to try to figure this life alone, figure this all out alone, God. Mm. Would You just speak to us this week, not only about what we're meant to do, God, but would You speak to us about who You say we are, who we are to You, Lord? Because that is what we need the most. We need to know whose we are. And would you speak to us about how you are a good and loving Father? Would you show us how you are reaching out and you're, you're speaking to us and you're working in our midst on our behalf for our good, God? And we just, uh, we pray that you would come, direct our path, Lord. We say we're yours. Mm to speak a blessing over you in the name of Jesus. Amen.